we're going to um, particularly focus on the last four or five verses from verse 14 on. Um, and we're going to look at it in two halves, uh, the first of which will be a bit longer. And then we'll have a song in the middle to stretch our minds, stretch our hearts, and stretch our legs. Um, and we're going to see um, two C's, okay? Two, two C's that Jesus wanted John, these churches, and us to understand. Uh, but let me pray before we dig into it. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word to us here. We pray that we might hear your voice. Amen. Um, so, Revelation, uh, it begins uh, with John's introduction. Um, then we have a vision of Jesus in chapter 1. We have letters to the seven churches in chapters 2 and 3. And then the vision of the throne in heaven, chapter 4. The scroll that needs opening and the lamb who's worthy to open the scroll in chapters 4 and 5. And then chapter 6 is um, the opening of some seals. And that, that's where we jump into the story in um, chapter 7. Uh, with our first C, which is the word cleanse. Uh, we have been cleansed. Cleansed by the blood of Jesus, the Lamb. Uh, and chapter 6 actually ends uh, on a cliffhanger. Because uh, in verses 12 to 17, the sixth of these seals uh, is opened. And God's judgment on the world is announced. Uh, and the chapter finishes uh, with a question. Could someone um, call it out for us, child or adult? Could someone just read out for us um, verse 17 of chapter 6? Go on, James. Could you read it for us? You've got your Bible open, James. Uh, James Woolley, that was. <laughs> Sorry. James Sullivan, we'd love to hear you read it as well. Thank you. Who can withstand? So God's judgment has come. Who can withstand? Who can stand in the face of God's anger? Uh, and then chapter 7 interrupts the flow of the story, these seals being opened, and it gives us the answer. Uh, who can face God's judgment? The 144,000 people from all the tribes of Israel, according to verse 4. Who are these 144,000 people? Well, verse 9, they are a great multitude. A great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands and crying out to God and worshipping him with the angels. So this isn't just the ancient Israelites we here learn. This is people from every part, every corner of the world. And actually, there's not going to be just 144,000 of them. That might sound like a big number, but if you think of it in terms of all the people who've ever lived, it's not really very many. Now, that's kind of a symbolic number, picked to show that they're complete. There's not a single person missing. But they're actually going to be a great multitude. They're going to be far bigger than 144,000. But who are they? Who are the people in this crowd? Well, that question comes up in verse 13. One of the elders stops worshipping and asks John, 
These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? Well, John, of course, doesn't know the answer. Um, So the elder answers his own question. Verse 14. These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. These are the people who have washed their robes. The ones who've washed their clothes so that they are white and so that they are clean. And what are they washed in? Well, it's not surf, it's not personal, it's not aerial. Verse 14, they are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? Well, the answer is not in this passage. We have to go right back to what John first wrote, his gospel, where he introduced, chapter 1, verse 29, the Lamb of the world, Jesus. So this crowd are the people who have washed their clothes in the blood of Jesus. That is the one, the key, pretty much the only thing we need to know about them. They are the people who've washed their clothes in the blood of Jesus. For not one of them, not one of the thousands, millions of people have earned their place in this crowd standing around God's throne. None of them was guaranteed a spot. All of them were dirty with their sin. And they knew it. They knew that they were not clean enough, not good enough for God on their own. That they'd loved other things instead of more than God. That they'd disobeyed his instructions in their actions, their thoughts, their words, their feelings. That they'd treated God as their enemy. And they knew it. But they also knew that the Son of God, the one who's lived forever with the Father and the Spirit, became a person, lived a perfect life. And just like the lamb at the Passover, which I think we should see in the screen in a moment, back in the time of Moses and the Exodus, died in their place, so Jesus died to take the punishment for their sin. And so they have washed their clothes in Jesus' blood, Just like the Israelites at the time of Moses painted the lamb's blood around their doorposts. Well, the people in the crowd have washed their clothes in Jesus' blood to show that they belong to him, that they're trusting him to take the punishment for their sin by dying on the cross. Next slide. Thank you. I forgot to bring my bag of pops. Hang on. Now, when we think of washing clothes, we probably think of the washing machine at home. We probably think of a tub of powder or a liquid, a bit like this. And, of course, this doesn't mean that they've literally washed what they're wearing in a new detergent that they've found. No, it is metaphorical. It's symbolic language. It means that they have put their hearts and their hopes in Jesus. They've realised that they are far away from God that there is no way they can get back to him on their own. And so they've said sorry. They've chosen to love Jesus, and they've chosen to live their lives believing that he is the one and only way to find God. And what I find so striking about this passage is that this is the one, the key, pretty much the only thing we're told about this crowd. 
Because there's one way, and one way only, one criteria, one criteria only to be in this multitude. It doesn't matter how old or young you are, where you're from in the world, the colour of your skin, your background, culture, heritage, education, employment, how rich or poor you or your family are, how long you've been a Christian for. There's one criteria, and one criteria only, to be in this multitude. And that is that you have to be cleansed. You have to have been washed clean by Jesus. Without having been cleansed, no one will be let in, and no one who has been cleansed will be kept out. And imagine it's someone's wedding day. I think we've got a picture of that too, Ape. And you turn up, but, but you turn up having just finished your run in your sports kit, your tracksuit bottoms, your running top, and your run took you through a few fields, so you're quite muddy. And you try to go into the wedding. You can see everyone else inside already in their smart, clean suits and dresses, and you try to go in too to join the fun. But what do the ushers on the door say? They're going to let you in, covered in mud? No. You can't go to a wedding. Covered in mud. You need clean clothes. You have to be dressed for the occasion. And it's the same for heaven. If you want to be part of that great multitude around God's throne, there's one criteria, and one criteria only. You have to have been cleansed. You have to have been washed clean by Jesus. Without having been cleansed, no one will be let in. And no one who has been cleansed will be kept out. And what I find particularly astonishing is just how levelling this is. Of course, there are other parts of the Bible that talk about growing in maturity, striving for godliness, doing the good works that we've been created to do. But that's not what we see here. The entry requirements for heaven here, there's no bar of godliness that you have to reach, no level of good works that you have to have attained. No minimum standard of living the Christian life that you have to have met. Just one criteria. You have to have been cleansed, washed clean by Jesus. And no one who has been cleansed will be kept out, no matter how many times they have failed in the Christian life. And so our first question, of course, has to be, Have you been cleansed? Have you put your heart and your hope in Jesus? There are are all sorts of things we can do to to sort of pretend that we have done that, to make it look like that we've done that. We can go along to church. We can sign up for courses and groups. We can learn a bit about Christianity. We can join events, attend meetings. We can even start reading our Bibles and praying and trying to do the right thing. But we can do all those things without having actually put our heart and our hope in Jesus. Without actually saying sorry for our sin and following him. So have you? Have you chosen to wash your clothes in the blood of Jesus? What what better New Year's resolution could there be than to choose to follow him? And if you have already, if you're already a follower of Jesus, then you can know great joy. 
because this isn't something that we have to wonder and worry about. It's not something we need to look at other people and how they live their lives and try to determine whether we match up, whether we're good enough, whether we've done enough. No. This is past tense. If we're followers of Jesus, we have already been cleansed. It happened the moment God changed our hearts that we might trust Jesus. And it's based on the historical event of Jesus giving up his blood on the cross for us. And so if we are followers of Jesus, we have been cleansed and we will be part of that great multitude. We will be there worshipping before the throne of God on that final day and forever. And we can be utterly confident of it. Because the thing that needed to happen to win us our place there is a fact in history. Jesus has died and his blood has washed us clean. So we can feel joy, we can feel confidence, and we can feel hope. There's nothing we need to do. There's nothing we can do. It's not based on anything we have done. We can feel joy, we can feel confidence, and we can feel hope that we have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the one and only entry requirement, the one and only way to get to heaven is to be washed clean by Jesus' blood. Thank you that it is not based on anything we have done or could do, but based entirely on what you have done for us in Jesus' work on the cross all those years ago. Help any among us not yet trusting you to put their trust in you and to claim Jesus' blood for themselves. And for those of us who already do, give us confidence, give us joy, give us hope in the knowledge that our sins have been washed away. Amen.